Okay, good morning everyone, Boker Tov. Wonderful to see you, sorry for the slight delay, some uh, technology challenges, but we are together now. And what a privilege is always to be able to study the Parsha together this week, Parsha's Vayigash, and to tap into the Parsha perspectives for today. There are no coincidences, the Torah portion that we read each week, we were designed and specifically meant to read that week. The messages in the Parsha that week speak to our lives and who we are for that week. I want to thank our generous sponsors of the Parsha series for the year, Becky and Avi Katz, and family in memory of Becky's father, David Grossman. Our learning should be Lili Nishmas, Dava Ben Menachem Manish. This morning's shir is also sponsored by Yanina and Gordon Haas in memory of Yanina's mother. Ida Leichtman, Chaya Bas Simcha, whose your side is tomorrow, Neshama Shadav and Aliyah. And by Evelyn and Stanley Weiss in memory of Marvin Ehrenberg on his your site, his Neshama Shadav and Aliyah as well. Thank you so much. Okay, Parshas Vayigash, page 250 in the R scroll, Stone Chumash. Just a housekeeping note, no Parsha class next week. I have a conflict, so I'm unable to teach next week, but we will please God resume two weeks from now. But I have good news from you. There are lots of previous Parsha Shirim online from countless people around the world who I'm sure give much better Shirim than I do. But should you want to hear me, because you're having trouble sleeping at night, you can go on Yutora or RabbiEphraimGoldberg.org and find Shirim from previous years. Vayigashay love Yehuda. Vayomer biadoni daberna avdecha davar baaznei adoni ayicha apcha baavdecha ki chamocha kefaro. Yehuda courageously, Yehuda heroically, Yehuda steps up. He steps out. He approaches Yosef, not knowing, of course, that it's his brother Yosef, and he confronts him, and he says, "Can I please speak to you?" Don't get upset. Don't get frustrated. Ki kamocha kefaro. Who is like you? You are like Paro. You're so in command. You're so in charge. Can I come speak to you? And then he begins to review the entire history until that point. There's so many questions to ask on this opening. We've taken a look at it many times before. But what is going on here? First of all, what does it mean Yehuda is approaching Yosef? If you turn back one page in the Chumash, there are Chumashim on the way in, you should always take one, easier to follow inside. At the very end of last week's parsha, we have a whole week in between. You have to do Shnai Mikra Vechatargim, so you shouldn't have a whole week, you should have less than a day in between. But in hearing the parsha being read in Shul, there's a whole week in between. So we forget where we left off last week before we pick up this week. But at the end of last week's parsha, Yehuda's already talking to Yosef. So what does it mean, Vayigashe love Yehuda? What does it mean that Yehuda approaches Yosef and asks if he can continue? Moreover, he repeats part of a conversation that never happened. He quotes Yosef having said things that he never said. Moreover, he asks a question, which is an absurd question, about, about a father being alive, not alive. They've already discussed this. But mostly, most compellingly, the question is, why is Yehuda even recounting everything until this point? Yosef was there. He lived it. He lived it. Sometimes someone's telling you about something that just happened. Did you see that? This, that, and the other thing. And you say, yeah, I, I, I know. I was there. I, I'm, I'm, hi, I'm right next to you. I was there at the same time. You're so uh, moved by the extraordinary. Yeah, I'm there. Yosef's like, yeah, well, why? Ta- yeah, I was there. I'm the other person you're quoting. Why are you bringing this up all now? So a few perspectives. First comes from Ravel Yo Dushnitzer, who was the Mashkiach uh, of Lomja. Ravel Yo Dushnitzer, who says the following. Dushnitzer says the following. He says, "Yehuda nigash lavakeshes sheyachurub shebenyamin umam akum kan l'shtoach as kol ha'historia shidu ha'hitiv l'shneim." The whole point is to advocate, to lobby for the release of Benyamin. 
Binyamin has been falsely accused. He's unjustly being held. Yehuda took personal responsibility. He promised his father he was going to bring him home. So get right to the get right to the story. Why is he starting from the beginning of first Hashem created the, the world in six days? What are you going all the way back to the beginning? You see a very important point here. He says, you see that sometimes even when you already know all these facts, it's worth reviewing them because it gives clarity. We're always moving in super speed. We're always at motion. Slow down. Slow down. Review how you got here. Review where you are. Think about what's happening. Create a sense of order. Judaism tremendously values the notion of Seder, the notion of order. So you're right, if he jumps right into the advocacy, if he jumps right into making the case for why Binyamin should go free, Yosef's already caught up in the drama. But he says, you know what, let's slow down. Let's go back to the very beginning. Let's remind ourselves how we got here. Let's be Masader, let's organize Let's be on the same page. Let's make sure we're discussing the same facts. Let's make sure we're talking about the same thing. He says, what's a powerful lesson when it comes to Torah learning? You know, if you're learning the Dafyomi, boom, 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 chick, chak, chak, you're turning the pages, you're moving, you're flying, you end the Masechta, you don't even remember you were there to begin with. In learning, you're going through the Sugya, you're hearing the Shir, you're flying through, you don't stop and you don't pause and you don't organize and you don't picture and you don't have a clarity on the Sugya. And what's true in the world of Torah, the Sugya, we don't have a holistic view of the topic, can also be true in our lives. Whatever we're analyzing, whatever we're confronting, whatever dilemma we're trying to make a decision about, stop and pause and review and organize and have a clarity on the sugya. Life is filled with sugyas. Life is filled with sugyas in our relationship. Life is filled with sugyas with our children. Life is filled with sugyas in our profession. Every day brings with it decisions that have to be made, dilemmas that have to be resolved. And if we're moving in super speed, and if we're not organized in our thought, and if we haven't put it into a bigger picture, and we don't see a greater context, then we're going to make the wrong decisions. We're going to rush to judgment. Our vision's going to be clouded. So Yehuda is teaching us this lesson. It comes from a Sefer Nachlis Elio, but it's quoted, this beautiful Sefer Lesitcha Elyon that I've been sharing with you this year in the parish this year. That if we, if we rush and we lack clarity and we fail to have a context, we'll come to the wrong conclusion. But if we pause and we review, we put everything in place and we see the sugya, the whole picture, and holistically, then we can come to the proper conclusion. And that's what Yehuda is doing for Yosef. He's setting the stage. He's making the argument. You ever see a lawyer make their, make their closing argument? They're repeating so much of what they already said. But before the jury is going to reach the decision, there could have been deliberations for hours, for days, for weeks, for months. So you know the evidence that you saw a few weeks or months ago? You know the argument? You know the witness's testimony for weeks or months ago? Let me make my closing argument by organizing it for you. Let me capture it, let me start at the beginning, let me paint a picture, let me put it together. And a good lawyer is so persuasive and so compelling and literally draws a picture for a jury that it's obvious to the jury what the answer is. The jury, it's, the picture is painted so clearly that the good lawyer has led the jury 
to simply come to the conclusion they saw right before them. But if there was testimony or arguments that were weeks or months earlier, and the lawyer just ends, uh, Mr. Lawyer, you have a closing argument? Yeah, everything I said was right. Please come to the, con- the decision accordingly. So the jury's like, what he said was right. Anyone remember what he said? I don't even remember what we had for breakfast. I'm supposed to remember the testimony from, from three months ago. So the closing argument is, to, so Yehuda says, Yosef, may I approach the bench, Your Honor? I'd like to submit my closing argument. And my closing argument, we're going to have to take a step back. Let me paint a picture. Let me give a context. Let me remind you about all the variables and moving pieces. And this is a very, very important lesson for life because are we not using our judgment each and every day? Do we not have to approach the bench of our lives, of our wives, I mean of our lives, and make decisions each and every day? When we want to lead people to the conclusion that we're hoping that they see as clearly as we do, we have to be misader. We have to organize it, and we have to get them there the same way that we're there. Kotzker Rebbe says something else that's amazing. I love this. I love all the Kotzkers. I'm very drawn to it. I feel very connected to the Kotzker. So in this other beautiful Sefer, Emes Ve'amuna, the Torah teachings of the Heliga Kotzker Rebbe. So the Kotzker says, Vayigash elav Yehuda. Yehuda approached him. Who's him? Elav. Pastor could have said, Vayigash Yehuda. Yehuda approached Yehuda stepped forward. Yehuda came. Who is a love? To whom did Yehuda, Yehuda advance this argument? So the simple understanding, not that I'm calling anybody simple, is Yosef. Yosef is the individual with whom he's in conversation. Yosef is the individual to whom he has to make this compelling argument. Yosef will be the judge and the jury here. Vaigash a love. He approaches him. Who is the him? Yosef. Kotzker says no. Yehuda was approaching himself. Yehuda was approaching himself. What does the Kotzker mean, Yehuda's approaching himself? So I think what the Kotzker means, what the Kotzker's getting at, is that if you're going to make an argument to somebody, you better check that you believe it. Because the most authentic, the most genuine, the most real, the most true, you know, others can see through. And if you're going to make an argument, but you don't really believe it, you're only half bought in, if that much, then you're not going to be successful. Vayigash elav Yehuda. Yehuda approached himself. Yehuda did a gut check on himself. Yehuda made sure he had the courage. Yehuda made sure he was ready to bear the response, the accountability, how Yosef would react, again, not knowing it's Yosef. Yehuda made sure he believed what he was saying. Yehuda made sure that he was going to say it genuinely and authentically and it would be received exactly the way that he said it. Rav Weinfeld, I've been quoting recently often, Rav Weinfeld's a Rav in Ramad Ashkol in Yerushalayim at a yeshiva and I was a kolal. So a great Tamachacham and a fascinating individual. So Rav Weinfeld uses this insight. He doesn't quote the Kotzker. He quotes the Svasemis from the same base Medrash. And, um, and he says the following. Parsha begins with Yehuda bringing the case to Yosef. But what was he saying that was new? He seems to be repeating the story. So we already gave Rebbe Leo Dushnitzer's answer. He was being misadder. He was organizing it. It was a closing argument. But one thing that Yehuda did add was that he made himself an arev. What's an arev? A guarantor. He signed on as a guarantor. Yehuda calls Binyamin his father's ben zakunim, meaning because his brother died, 
because Yosef died, Binyamin is now the father's Ben Zekunim. Yosef once was his father's Ben Zekunim, who his father loved more than anyone else, spoiled. Originally, when Yosef was the Ben Zekunim, it was Vayikan Ubo Achiv. His brothers were jealous. They hated him. But now Yosef sees, isn't it interesting? The very reason, the very driver of what made the brothers jealous of him, Yehuda is now quoting as the very cause for their affection and their protection of Binyamin. Yosef fears. I was the Ben Zekunim. I was the favorite child. I was the one my father had in his old age. I was, the, I was the favorite child. And because I was the favorite child, you threw me in a pit. You wanted to kill me. You sold me into slavery. You got rid of me. And now I should let Binyamin go because he's the Ben Zekunim. All of a sudden you've discovered affection and love. All of a sudden now you care about your father's relationship with the Ben Zekunim. That's not a source of jealousy and animosity and enmity. Now that's a source of responsibility and protection. When Yehuda added this point in the beginning of Vayigash, Yosef saw that they were doing tshuva gemura. In other words, the whole situation that Yosef had orchestrated was a platform for the brothers to have an opportunity to do not only tshuva, to not only be remorseful and feel bad about what they had done to him, but to do tshuva gemura. The Rambam says, what's tshuva gemura? Being back in the exact same circumstance, but doing the right thing instead of the wrong thing. So Yosef orchestrated things as closely as possible. There was only one brother with whom he shared a mother. He made things as close as possible. And the brothers step up, Yehuda in particular. And now, instead of hating the Ben Zekunim, they have affection and love for the Ben Zekunim. But it seems that for the most part, Yehuda is just repeating everything that happened in Miketz. Although he adds a few things, but he doesn't add things that had happened, he had things that didn't happen. For example, Yehuda says in the beginning of Parshas Vayigash, he says that Yosef had asked them, Hayesh lachem av o'ach. He says to this viceroy of Egypt, remember as I'm reviewing all of our history together, remember when you asked us, do we have a father or a brother? There's only one problem. Go back to Parshas Miketz. Did Yosef ask that? He didn't ask that. He never asked that question. Yehuda also adds, they were not said in Miketz. He never said that our father told us, if you bring and you don't bring him back, I'm surely going to die. Yehuda's repeating conversations that never happened. That never happened. So what's going on? Where's Yehuda coming up with this from? What does it mean, Vayigashe love Yehuda? What does it mean Yehuda's approaching Yosef? Again, turn back one page, one Pasuk. They're in the middle of a conversation. You ever in the middle of talking to somebody you say, can I talk to you? I say, yeah, we're, yeah. We're in the middle of talking. Just talk. Talk. You don't have to make an appointment. We're actually in the middle of a conversation right now. So what's going on with all of this? So that's what Rav Weinfeld Shlita explains based on this insight of the Kutzker and also of this Fasemis. That when Vaygash a love Yehuda, it should have said Vaygash Yehuda a love. Grammatically, it would have been more correct, more proper to say Vaygash Yehuda a love. Yehuda approached him. Vaigash, Elav Yehuda, the Elav is he approached himself. And what does it mean he approached himself? It means that Yehuda was willing to be vulnerable. Yehuda wasn't telling Yosef things he said. Yehuda was saying, this is how I heard them. This is my perspective. This is where I'm coming from. This is who I am. This is how I've interpreted this, how I've experienced the conversation. 
And now when Yosef says, Yehuda, you're willing to be vulnerable? You're willing to let me in? Vayigash. Yes, we were having a conversation, but it was superficial, it was external, it was up here, it was diplomatic. But now I'm willing to be vulnerable. I want to let you in. I want you to hear where I'm coming from. I want you to feel what I feel. I want you to see things from my perspective. Now when Yosef sees that, he can't help but reciprocate. You've let me in, I'll let you in. You shared who you really are, I'm going to share who I really am. I'm going to let you in as well. Yehuda, Vaigashe love. Yehuda does this gut check with himself. Yehuda musters the courage. Yehuda ensures his authenticity. But I want to say one more thing to add on to Rav Weinfeld. And he answers all those questions with that. The reason Vayigash is because he was taking the conversation to another level. He was saying to someone with whom he was in the middle of a conversation, can I, can I be really honest with you? Can I trust you? Can I confide in you? Can I let you in? Is this a safe space to be vulnerable? Vayigash, that's what Vayigash means. And a love, he was willing to be true to himself and to share the depths of who he was. But I want to apply this a little bit further. Every year I share with you, this is one of those Goldberg repeats every year, Divrei Torah, and I'm not going to apologize for it because it's so fantastic, it's worth repeating. The Ramah quotes in Shulchan Aruch, he quotes from the Rokeach, that the reason we take three steps forward to begin our Amidah is because the word Vayigash appears three times in the Torah. Avram approaches God about stone. Yehuda approaches God here about Binyamin, and Eliyahu and Navi approaches God as well about the Jewish people, about uh, Nevi'e Baal. And we've talked about in the past, I won't repeat this part, what the three represent, that when we come forward to daven to Hashem, we're davening even for the Rishayim, like Avram daven for the people of Stone, we're davening for our brothers, like Yehuda davens here for Binyamin, and we're davening against evil, we're davening for Hashem, davening for Hashem's own name, that it should be protected and it should be made great. We take three steps forward, Vayigash, wherever we were a moment ago, we take those three steps forward, and now we are transported. We are in front of Hashem. You could be on the side of the New York State Thruway. You could be, if you have to daven, on the edge of the golf course. Obviously, most preferably, you're in shul. But wherever physically your coordinates showed that you were a moment ago, when you take those three steps forward, you are teleported, you're transported, you are beamed up, you are now standing before the Ribbon Shalom, ready to talk, and those three steps forward, we're emulating these three great people to use our power of speech, to step up, step forward, step out, and to use it to lobby, to advocate, to make a difference. But I want to add, what I want to be most of this year, is if you apply this inside of the Kotzker, Vayigash Elav Yehuda, it means that when we take those three steps forward to Davin, before we can talk to God, who do we have to talk to? Ourselves. Take a deep breath. Take a pause. Rabbi Adam Englander, who was the head of school at Catsville Day School, he led the middle school. Davening was arguably the holiest davening in our community. It was so beautiful. He got the kids. I think they're still doing it. They take three steps forward. They take a deep breath before you Hashem's Fasaitiftach. Every day in the Shemun he would remind them. Three steps forward, take a deep breath. A deep breath. Before you can talk to Hashem, you have to talk to yourself. Are we really present? Are we centered? Are we there? Are we mindful? Hashem famously said, we are wherever our thoughts are. So if your mind during Shachris is already at gym, at carpool, your mind's already at work, your mind's already at the to-do list, your mind's already packing for the flight, your mind's already the difficult conversation you have to have later, all of a sudden you get to the end of Shemona Esra, you don't remember, did I say Yalav Yevo? did I say Yalav Nisim, did I say the same Talmud I don't remember. I don't remember anything I said. I don't remember how I got here. I don't remember turning one page. I don't remember saying one word. 
That's not a conversation. So we take that breath, Vayigash love Yehuda, I think this insight of the Katzker is that we begin with a conversation with ourselves. When I take those three steps forward, I'll let you in for a moment. When I take those three steps forward every day, I try to take one moment to think about what do I have happening today that I need to talk to him about. I talk to myself. What's on tap today? What's on my schedule today? What responsibilities do I have today? Am I giving a difficult cheer? I ask Hashem for help to prepare it, that it flow, that the technology all work out. Am I having a difficult conversation? Do I have to take a difficult journey? Do I have to make a difficult decision? Every day, of course, there are things and people in our lives. Rav Shechter was here two Shabbosim ago, and we asked him about davening. He said, it takes me a long time to daven. If you stand next to Rav Shechter when he davens, or if you heard him that bench, lead the benching at Shal Shittas, he says every word like he should, he's in the beginner Hebrew class. He knows Shas and Poskin Balpeh. It's unbelievable what he knows. I'll never know what he forgot. And he reads davening like he's a third grader. I had Rav Shechter on one side and my eight, nine, now nine-year-old son on the other side. And my nine-year-old son was reading faster than him. How could it be? He doesn't know Hebrew. He's got to take Rabbi Birdie's crash course. He davened slowly and he shared with us why. He said, I have a lot of children. He has nine children, Kenai Nahara, and a lot of grandchildren and a lot of Talmidim, and a lot of people who say, can you daven for me? Now most people who say, yeah, no problem. And then we pretend we wrote down the name, or we're gonna think about the name, or we act as if we can memorize the name, we don't even know our own name, but we're gonna pretend we know everybody else's name. Oh, tell me your name so I can daven. You need to write down? No, 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 I'll remember it. We don't remember our own name, but we're gonna remember the names that people give us. But if Shechter, when you give him a name, he, he means it. He davens, it takes him a long time to daven. So they love to take a moment, and to first say to ourselves, who am I? What do I have going on today? Am I really here? Am I grounded? Am I centered? This is the Kutzker. Not Vayigash Yehuda Elav. It's not Yosef. Vayigash Elav Yehuda. First, we have to approach ourselves, be prepared, be mindful, be ready, and then we're ready to approach the Rebbe Shalom. Then we're ready to go in. Then we're ready to go in. Okay, moving right along. Perak Memhei, Pasuk Gimel. So, you. Yehuda makes this compelling argument, and Yosef is moved. He's moved. Beginning of Perak Mem Hey, page two fifty two. Yosef couldn't restrain himself. All who stood before him, so he called out, "Clear the room! Give me the room!" So no one remained with him when he made himself known to his brothers. There he is, he's got his advisors, he's got the cabinet, he's got the secret service, he's got the navy officers, he's got the marines, they're all around him. And he gets so emotionally overwhelmed, he says, give me the room, clear the room. Now it's just him and his brothers. That's all that's left. He starts to cry. He cried so loudly, and his emotion resonated so broadly, it didn't matter he cleared the room because he couldn't clear Mitzrayim. And it was heard everywhere. It was heard everywhere. And Yosef then said those iconic immortal words, the words that are supposed to make us shudder and shake and tremble. Yosef says, Ani Yosef. I'm Yosef. Is my father still alive? And his brothers couldn't answer him. They were so overwhelmed. They were so shocked. They were so startled. They couldn't move. They couldn't answer. They couldn't respond. They were so stunned. They were so utterly and totally stunned by this revelation. By this revelation. 
The Medrash tells us famously, Wow! In those two words, Ani Yosef, do you know what we're going to have to face? What we'll be accountable and responsible for when the world picture will come together for us? Yosef, Yosef, who was the smallest of the tribes, and they couldn't withstand, they couldn't withstand his his Musr. They were stunned and shocked into silence. They had nothing to say. When God's going to play the movie reel of our lives, and we're going to have to see what we did and pay the piper, we're not going to be able to answer. The Medrash describes that the great rabbis would shake and tremble and shudder. They would cry when they'd read these words. Ani Yosef, such musr in those two words alone. Besalevi famously says to musr, musr, where's the musr? Ani Yosef. Imagine the yeshiva, you give the musr shmuz in the base Medrash I went to, Shiva Srebitsko Chonan, YU Wednesday nights. When I was in YU, I never dreamt in a billion years that I would be invited to give the Musr Shmuz during Corona. I haven't been invited in person. Zoom. I guess that was low risk. They got, they got me on Zoom. So the Musr Shmuz is Wednesday night. So imagine, they ask somebody to get up and give the Musr Shmuz. There's no fire. There's no brimstone. There's no, this is everything you're doing wrong and we need to repair. And if not, we're going to burn in Gehenna and the world's caving in and we're not who we could be. Imagine the whole Musr. You stand up and you say, Ani Yosef. Shkoyach. Can I get the honorarium now? I didn't get an honorarium. Can I get the honor? Ani Yosef. You still have 20 minutes. No, nope, that's my Musa Shmuz, Ani Yosef. Where's the Musa Shmuz on Ani Yosef? So Beis Alevi says, you know where the Musa Shmuz is? You know what a greater Musa is? You know what the greater Musa is? I've been warned that I've been telling too many stories of my own personal life, so at the risk of violating that rule and doing it again. A member of my family, by marriage, once got pulled over, <laughs> once got pulled over, by police, and called me while the police was writing up the ticket. And I reacted and responded totally incorrectly. I said, why were you going fast? And I can't believe you got pulled over and the ticket's gonna be points and it's gonna cost money. And the insurance is gonna go up and you get... And the individual said to me, Ephraim, in my rear view mirror, there's a police car with lights flashing. My heart is racing. Do you think I need you to tell me I shouldn't have been speeding? <laughs> Do you think right now I need the lecture of that I shouldn't have been going too fast? Do you think I'm not filled with shame and remorse and regret and embarrassment? Did I call you to get a musr schmooze about how to drive? It's 100% correct. 100% correct. Called me to say that's so annoying and I can't believe it. I'm so sorry you're going through this. It's no big deal. We'll figure it out. I blew it. I blew it big time. Thank God that individual chose to still be related to me by marriage, <laughs> despite, despite my mistake. That's Ani Yosef, says the Beis Alevi. That's Ani Yosef. The siren, the thing's flashing in the rearview mirror. I don't need you to give me the musashmus. Yosef didn't have to sit there and say, and I can't believe you threw me in the pit, and I can't believe you sold me into Mitzrayim, and I can't believe for 22 years, the anguish and the agmas nefesh that you caused me, and what you did to our father. You took years off his life. All he had to say was, here's the, here's the sirens, Ani Yosef. Ani Yosef, and your last 22 years, that picture just became clear. 
and no one needs to say anything more for you to shake and sit there and tremble and be filled with shame and remorse and regret. And when the Rebona Shalom, after 120 years, he plays back, you know, rabbis for the last 2,000 years were given this mushal. Hashem will play back your life. Okay, so 500, 1,000 years ago, people said, play back my life. How? That's not possible. What does that even mean? To have a record, to play it back a lot. Now, Google, Google could play back your life and YouTube could play back your life and Zuckerman could play back your life and this one could play. You don't have to wait till after 120 years. You're the social experiment. The whole world could play back your life right now while you're still alive. It's frightening. It's scary. It's shocking. It's shocking. Says the Beis Alevi, that's the Oli Yamadin. That is the Omni Yamatokha. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, Rabbi Yisrael said a little bit differently. Every year, this is quoted by in Kelm, by his Talmidim, the altar of Kelm. He would ma'or his Talmidim b'divrei ha-medrash l'limur ha-ma'orim she'yishlom ha-medivrei ha-medrashim ha-nokfim. K'shegiyah le-pischam. And he would say the following. I'm not going to read to you the whole thing inside because there's a lot more I want to share. So I'll tell it to you outside. What he basically told them is, when you know you did the wrong thing your whole life and then you get caught. So there are people who visited the wrong places. There are people who visited the wrong websites. There are people who engaged in the wrong behavior. They knew it was wrong while they did it. And they were overwhelmed and overcome by the Yitzhahara. And they thought they were above the law and they'd get away with it. And then it got revealed. And then they were exposed and it's humiliating. But what happens when you think that you were right your whole life? When you don't think you did anything wrong, you thought what you did was right, it was correct, it was moral, it was ethical. You stood for what you think was right. And now 22 years later, you see in retrospect that you thought you were engaged in a machlokas l'shem shamayim. You thought that you were fighting a noble fight. You thought that you were representing the Almighty, that He needed you to speak for Him. You thought you were fighting the real fight. So the machlokas, the person you weren't speaking to, the fight that you had, the, the breakup in business, in the family, in shul, the breakaway shul, the breakaway minion, the break, the thing that you thought was so correct and so noble and so l'shem shamayim and so beautiful. And for 22 years, you ran with it. Confident you were correct. And now the Rebona Shalom in two words shows you that you were wrong all along. That's the Yom Adin, that's the Yom HaTochacha. The Yom Adin and Yom HaTochacha said to Yisrael Salanter, for the things that we know we were wrong, but we thought we could get away with. That's Tochacha, but we knew we were wrong. The biggest Tochacha, the most disturbing Tochacha, the earth-shattering Tochacha is for that which we thought we were right about. We held these opinions. We held these opinions about other Jews. This community or that community, the ones who wear those yarmulke or that yarmulke, the ones who wear no yarmulke. We thought we were correct around our Shabbos and Yontif table and our conversation with our friends in whom we wrote stucco checks to. We thought we were correct. We had an opinion, such a strong opinion. And it turns out when all said and done at the very end, we realized we were wrong. In the two words, Ani Yosef. That's the Yom Adin, that's the Yom Atochacha, says Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. But I want to share with you another insight on these two words. It's a beautiful insight for the Sefer Megid Yosef Ala Torah by Rabbi Yosef Yehuda Leib Saratskin. I told you he was visiting our community recently. His son moved to our community. My good friend Eli Meir Saratskin, Eli Saratskin, my neighbor. So he's a Rosh Hashiva in Telstone, not Eli Saratskin, he lives on Haliak, but his father. And he gave me his farm, beautiful Yosef Yehuda Leib Saratskin. I told you my rule and my best friend Mendy in the back cost me so much money I have to build bookcases 
Baruch Hashem, every time he visits, he brings me svarim. So you get me svarim, I'm going to share them. They're not just for me, they're an investment for me to share with others. So he gave me the Sefer, so I want to thank him for that. So he says the following, We've been talking until now that the Musar is in those two words. The Medrash, Abba Koen Bardula said, Ani Yosef, in that moment of the clarity that it all came together, in that moment, the picture, you saw the whole thing, Ani Yosef. In that moment was the Musar. How does it connect to the end of the Pasuk? Yosef then ends, asks, what is a very peculiar question? Is my father still alive? Yosef ben Shima Achas. Yosef said in one breath, Sarach Talmud, we have to understand it. First of all, why doesn't Yosef say, I'm Yosef, how are you, what's going on, brothers, let me tell you about my life, your life, by the way, how's Abba, how's Tati, how's Dad? But moreover, he should have said, how's our father? What do you mean, how's my father? And what do you mean? Is our father, is my father still alive? A moment ago, Yehuda's argument was, our father said, if you don't bring back Binyamin, he's going to drop dead of a heart attack. He's going to surely die. So you know the answer to your question. A moment ago, Yehuda just said, your father's alive. So your very first question is, Ani Yosef, I'm Yosef. Is my father still alive? What's going on? What's going on? So he says a very interesting answer. A person who's living in a moral and an ethical and a positive environment will be able to immediately measure if they've stepped out. When you realize everybody around you is so righteous, I look around and I say, I finished davening in three seconds. Everybody else is still in the Shemona Esrei. Hmm. I wonder if I could concentrate more on my davening. I already tell you about the, about the uh, heroes of the Jewish people who scream Yala V'yavo when you're up to Hashem's Fasai Tiftach. The heroes of the Jewish people. Al Anisim. I want to make sure you, you, you haven't finished your third step forward yet. They're up to Al Anisim, making sure everybody remembers it's Al Anisim. So if you daven in a minion, you look around and you say, how come I'm finished and there's nobody else here done? That's a message, it's a flag. Maybe I need to concentrate more on my davening. How come I'm always gossiping and everybody's shutting me down and nobody else gossips? Maybe I need to work on my, on my Shemir Salashan. Everybody else is giving me giving staka. I don't measure up. When you're in a positive, a good environment, the environment itself becomes your metric, your measure to evaluate how you're doing. But if you're not in a good environment, if you're among negative influences, then you'll never know how you're doing. Adarabah, you'll mistakenly think you're doing fantastically well. You have no one against whom to measure yourself. You have no role model. There's no archetype. As much as Yosef says, I learned from my father, my father in love and garti, tarig mitzvah shamarti. So Yosef in paro garti, tarig mitzvah shamarti. As much as Yosef is confident that he's been uncompromising in his commitment to Torah and mitzvahs, how could he really know? Maybe he's lost a step. Maybe he's watered down. Maybe he's not the passionate on fire person he once was. After all, he's living in Mitzrayim. He's in the capital of Tumah. He is in the capital of corruption, of moral decay. 
So says Rav Saratskin, Ani Yosef, Haod Avichai. He wasn't asking them, I'm Yosef, is my father still alive? He was asking, wow, you're my brothers? Finally, I'm back in the base Medrash. Finally, I'm back around Erlech Yidin. Haod Avichai Bikirbi. Ani Yosef, it's me, Yosef. Am I still who I once was? Have I lost my way? Have I lost my passion? Ha'od Avichai, is my father still in me? Ani Yosef, Ha'od Avichai. I look very different now. I'm dressed like an Egyptian. He's not walking like an Egyptian, but he's dressed like an Egyptian. He says, I'm the viceroy of Egypt. I have the Gorob of Egypt. Ha'od Avichai, I'm asking you as a favor to me, tell me, do you still see the Yosef underneath this royal clothing? Ha'od Avichai Bikirbi. I was Abbas Talmud Muvak. I was the Ben Zakunim. I was the heir to be the Rosh Hashiva. Ha'od Avichai Bikirbi. Do you still see him in me? That's why Yosef was able to withstand the pressure. That's why Yosef was able to remain who he was because as long as he was in this negative environment, he remained nervous and anxious and concerned about its influence on him. The moment that you think, I got it, I'm good, I can't be influenced, I won't be brought down, it won't impact me, that's when you're in trouble. But the, as long as you continue to say, I'm at risk, I'm in danger, I need to double down on being the best me, that's Yosef's greatness, that's his godness. First of all, is this a Meir Dekapshat? Rabbi Saratskin visited Boka to give me his farm just so that we could have this Pshat. Ani Yosef. I've, I've seen a thousand different Torah on those words. Why my father, not our father? Why is he asking a question when he knew the answer? Why is Ani Yosef? It's a whole new interpretation. It's amazing. Torah is endless. Every time you study it, every time you learn it, you'll find new things in it. You could hear the same parsha for 120 years in a row, but you'll never hear the same parsha twice. It's amazing. Torah is amazing. Amazing. Ani Yosef. He says, I'm Yosef, and in the same breath, finally, you're my mirror. Finally, I have a mirror to look in, to measure myself against. I've started to look like an Egyptian and talk like an Egyptian, and I still keep Torah and mitzvos. We spoke last Shabbos about being assimilated Orthodox Jews. Hanukkah, the menorah in our home, is trying to protect and preserve us from becoming assimilated, observant Torah Jews. The danger, the risk of being kofar be'ikr, confusing the ikr and the tafel. Yosef says, I'm still observant. I do the daf every day, go to Minyan, I make brachas before and after I eat. I'm still observant. But ha'ud avi chai bikir bi. But have I become so assimilated that I'm not recognizable? My core, my character, my identity. Am I still my father? Ha'ud avi chai bikir bi. I love this pshat. I really love it. I think it's a fantastic pshat. I'll tell you one more, and then we'll move on. Another svasemes. Svasemes. Yosef reveals himself. Ani Yosef, Let's keep going. I want to show you we're making progress. So go to the next pasuk. They don't answer. Speechless, stunned into silence. They have absolutely nothing to say. 
Nothing to stay. What happens? So what does he do? He continues, He says, come close. You can imagine when he said, Ani Yosef, I'm just picturing the scene. You know what the brothers did? They went like this. Right? If I'm the brothers, I start moving backwards. Yosef might as well say, I just been diagnosed with Corona. Like if I'm Yosef, if I'm the brothers, I start inching backwards. I start moving back. Yosef says, whoa, whoa, relax. Kshuna, come back. Brothers, come over here. Group hug. Group hug. We got this. Relax. I'm Yosef that you sold into Egypt. So Svasem says, that's why they should relax. He doesn't say, I'm Yosef from the sandbox. I'm Yosef from the playground. I'm Yosef, we used to play ball. I'm Yosef, we're Chavrusa, the base madrash. Relax, it's me, Yosef. Remember the family trips and vacations? Remember we had food fights and pillow fights? I'm Yosef. He says, relax, I'm Yosef, remember me? Remember this, remember me when you threw me in the pit and you sold me? Come, group hug. That they should relax about. And what does he add? He said on Yosef, that's what stunned them into silence. Now, because he repeats the words on Yosef, now they're going to feel good? What's going on over here? So Sfas my friend Ravel Yadda Goldberg shared this through Smichas Chavar. Sfas says, the word asher can sometimes mean because. Because. Asher doesn't mean remember that you threw me in the pit and sold me. Asher means because. We see this. The end of the Torah, Yashikach Asher Shibarta. God gives Moshe Rabbeinu a big shkoyach. What's the shkoyach? Shkoyach, you broke the luchos. Asher Shibarta. Shkoyach, because you broke the luchos. I have a Rebbe who says if a couple breaks their engagement, Khalila even after marriage, because they're not meant to be, Shikoyach Asher Shibarta. Sometimes you get a Yashikach when things are broken. If they're broken the right way, they can be put back together. People are more whole if they're broken the right way. So Hashem says, Hashikach, Asher, Shibarta says, Asfasemis, you see the word Asher, sometimes means because. So therefore, if that's the case, what's Yosef telling them? Come here, come close. Group hug. Ani Yosef. You see me today, the father that I am, the Zayda that I am, the viceroy of Egypt I am, the spiritual giant I am. Do you know how I became this person? Do you know what caused me to emerge who I am? It's because you sold me. So I don't bear a grudge. I'm not angry. I don't bear a grudge. I'm not angry and I'm not going to get even. I am who I am. I'm only who I am. Because you sold me into Egypt. Isn't that amazing? So this actually stems very nicely. It works very beautifully with what Rav Sarotskin said. Ani Yosef. First, I said, Ani Yosef, I'm looking at the mirror through you. Ha'uravichai, is, is, is Abba still alive in me? And now that I see that he is, come close. Ani Yosef, I'm only who I am. I went through what I went through. I became who I became because of the hardship. Because of the hardship that you put me through. So it's not that I'm grateful you put it through it, but it's the reality. It's the reality of that, that is who I am. And this is... Rav Zaydel Epstein says, also in Pasuk Memhei, Pasuk Dalad, come close, come close. Says Rav Zaydel Epstein, 
whose grandson I met in the parking lot of Boca Raton Synagogue. His parsha should create some incredible connections. I quoted him. He's quoted in the Sitcha Elyon, so I quoted him. And then I met his grandson, who said, here are his farm. I heard you quoted my Zayde. He was visiting Lakewood, Brooklyn, where you have to be from to visit Boca these days. And he said, I heard you quoted my Zayde. Here are his farm. You don't have him. Anyway, this is not directly from his Sefer. It's from the Sitcha Elyon. So he says the following. He says, from Rashi. What do you mean? Relax. I'm not going to hurt you. Come close. I'm the Yosef you sold. So he says, Yosef He had a hakaras atov to them. It's true that you had negative intent. It's true that you had negative intent. But it came out positive for me. So even when someone intends negatively for us, but a positive result comes out, we have to have a hakaras atov. Anytime we experience a positive, we should feel a sense of hakaras atov. Yosef is the the ultimate model of this. And that's what the Psukim continue and say. He says, because there was a famine and God sent you before me and now I'm bringing food back and he made me the Moshe al Mitzrayim and La'adon l'chol Mitzrayim. It's all for a reason. Hashem orchestrated the whole thing. You were just puppets. You were pawns. Hashem orchestrated it all. You feel shame and guilt? Okay, a little bit of that's good for you. You want to apologize? You should apologize and I forgive you. But know that my attitude is that you are just a pawn and a puppet. Hashem has a lot of agents he can use. And he used you to get me here. He used you to save the economy of Mitzrayim, which would spare the world. He used you. So I therefore don't carry a grudge against you. Says You see how far Hakara Satov goes. That gratitude is not only for the person who meant well to us. Gratitude is something, a debt of gratitude is something that we even have to feel for the person who meant harm, but it worked out well, and there was a positive, there was a positive result. Okay, Perak Memei Pasuk Tes, moving along. Turn the page, 254. Quick, go and tell Dad this unbelievable news. I became a doctor. Just joking. Go and tell Dad I became a lawyer. No, just joking. Go and tell Dad that I'm the Adon L'chol Mitzrayim. Do you know who I became? The Adon L'chol Mitzrayim. So the simple understanding of the words Adon L'chol Mitzrayim mean, go tell Dad that I became the master of all of Egypt. He thinks I'm dead. He doesn't really think I'm dead because Yaakov was inconsolable the whole time. But he thinks I'm gone, I'm missing, I've been in the back of milk cartons in Canaan for 22 years. And go tell him that meanwhile, I'm Adon L'chol Mitzrayim. I'm it. I'm the vice president. I made it. And I have a very high approval rating. I made it. They all love me. I'm Adon L'chol Mitzrayim. Says the Kotzker, that's not what it means. Listen to this Kotzker. Oh, Menachem Mendel of Kotzker. Yosef Omar, Ani Asisi L'Hashem Yisborach L'Adon L'chol Mitzrayim. It's an unbelievable Kotzker. Yosef knows. You know what will make dad proud of me after 22 years? Not that I made the Forbes 400. And not that I'm the secretary of the treasury. You know what's going to make him the most proud? That I've transformed Mitzrayim with Kiruv. Read the Pasuk again. Here's what I want you to tell dad. This is what your son Yosef sent to you. That Samani I made Elohim Adon L'chol Mitzrayim. 
I made God the Adon of all of Egypt. That I used this position and I wore a yarmulke and I said Baruch Hashem and I wasn't ashamed, I wasn't embarrassed, I wasn't apologetic to be who I am and to bring God into the conversation everywhere I went. Dad, I know you'll be proud of me that I became the Viceroy. I know, I know you'll be proud of me that I broke out and I made it and I'm rich. I know you'll be proud of me that I've earned the respect of the whole nation. But I know you'll be the most proud of me when I tell you that like you, I follow in your footsteps. My mission and my goal is to transform the world to see Hashem everywhere. It's a whole new way to read the Pasuk. Usually the Hasidish of Divrei Torah, I got in trouble once for saying this before, Chassid is very unhappy at me for saying this, but I'm not even sure that the Rebbe's meant that this is the Pshat. This is an important lesson to teach. This Pasuk is a great way to teach it. So I'm putting it in the Pasuk. That's how I learned many of these Chassidish Divrei Torah. This Kotzker, I think, might actually be the Pshat. I, I love it so much. I think this Kotzker might be the Pshat. Go tell dad, this is the message of your son Yosef. That Samani that I placed Elohim God, that that's my success. And that's what I'm proud of and that's what you should be proud of. That's who I am and that's where I've been and that's what I've been up to and that's what I want you to know. Was it not worth driving from Boynton for that Kutzker? <laughs> should drive from New Jersey for that Kutzker. Kutzker was unbelievable. What a Kutzker. So now what happens next? He says, go rush, go tell Tati, go tell Dad, go tell Abba, go tell him I'm alive and well, go tell him that we've got provisions and food, go bring everyone down. It's going to be Geshmak, it's going to be Gavaldic, we're making a Jewish village in Goshen, it's not going to be around the, the capital, you're not going to be in Vegas, you're going to be in the outskirts, you're going to have a little suburb, you're not going to be on the strip itself, we're going to have a, a holy place, Gonna make a little Jewish embassy. Go, go bring him down. So he tells them, what does he say? Turn the page, 256. Perak Memei, chapter 45, of He sent off his brothers and they went. And he says one last message. Don't become agitated on the way. What does it mean, don't become agitated on the way? What does it mean? Don't become agitated on the way. So Rashi tells us, it means don't get caught up in your Divrei Torah. You're going to get caught up in your Divrei Torah, it's going to slow you down, it's going to make you vulnerable. You'll be so engrossed in your talking Torah, you're going to get lost. Torah is an enormous value. Talmud Torah can't get kulam, but there's a time and a place for everything. You're going to get so engrossed in your Torah, you're going to drive right off the road. You're going to make the wrong turn. Don't, and, and you're going to be slowed down. Get where you need to go. Altir gezu badarach. Go and go right away. That's what Rashi quotes. That is the pshat that's known by many. And there's a lot more to talk about there. Altir gezu badarach. But I want to tell you an amazing majitzer. The Divrei Yisrael. Every week Rabbi Mirzov now shares with me a Divrei Yisrael to share with you. I, I'm just the one who has the microphone. But there's a whole committee who's given you the Parsha class. All the people who contribute the Divrei Torah. And I'm very indebted and grateful to them. Says the Divrei Yisrael in majitzer. Listen to this. He tells them, don't become agitated. Don't become rogues. Don't become angry. Don't become agitated. Don't become angry. You had to sit and coach. You didn't get upgraded to business. You were on the waiting list. They didn't get through it. Don't become agitated. 
person sitting next to you needed the super seatbelt extender. Don't become agitated. They lost their kosher meal. They didn't bring you the kosher meal. Yeah, they made you still wear a mask, even though you had triple vaccinated, seven boosters. Don't become agitated. Don't become agitated. But that's not what the, the Divrei Yisrael says. It says in the Majitzer. When you serve Hashem on your derech, when you serve Hashem in your way, in your way, but then you see your friend is going on a different derech. Your friend's derech is different. You wear a bekasha and a strimal, but your friend decides to wear kipasruga and to be a religious Zionist, to identify with the modern Orthodox segment of the community. You wear the hat with the pinch this way, your friend decided to wear a hat with the pinch that way, to not wear the hat, send your kids to this school, they send their kids to that school. They chose a different derech. Alter gezua love. Don't get angry. Ki har Whatever derech you're on, don't get angry that someone's on a different derech. This is my shara kolo. I actually put out a whole sefer about the shara kolo. All these divrei Torah that reinforce the notion that there's 70 ways to shim panama Torah. There were 12 tribes and they each had their own gate and entrance way into the Beis HaMikdash. So much so, by the way, the Medrash tells us that when the, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but when the sea splits, it doesn't split in that the water is a wall on either side with one lane. There are 12 lanes. It's a 12-lane highway. It's wider than Palmetto Park Road. And there's no potholes. It's not like the Van Wick. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Grand Central. Reason enough to move down to Florida. It split 12 lanes. 12 lanes, because every Shevet had the right to preserve its derech. We didn't blend them. We didn't integrate them. We didn't erase them. Each one was entitled to each derech. Each one is legitimate. Each one is, is authentic. And then there's the Sharakolo, where I happen to live, the 13th gate that says, I take the best from all 12. And I try to integrate them and live with them all. No one's obligated. You could stay in your lane. If you want to stay on your derech, Altir Gezuba derech. Everyone's entitled to embrace their derech. Your Lakewood, your Chabad, your Chabetz Chaim, your YU, your, your, your this version of Gary, your that side of Gary. Whatever your derech is, everyone's entitled to embrace their derech. But Altir Gezuba derech. You can't get angry at somebody who's on a different derech. Don't sit in judgment. Don't get angry. Don't try to make them conform. Why is Yosef giving them this message on their way back? This is unbelievable. Why is he giving this message? Because he's saying to them, how did we get here? We got here, Yehuda, because you and I had a different worldview. I've shared with you in previous years that Yehuda and Yosef were not simply, this wasn't petty sibling rivalry. Oh my goodness gracious, I just saw the time. This was not petty sibling rivalry. They weren't like arguing over, you know, who got the iPad? Who gets to sit in the front seat? What were they arguing about? They were arguing out over the future of the Jewish people, over the hashkafa of the Jewish people. Yehuda and Yosef were two enormous worldviews. We don't have time to review what it was now. You could listen online. It's an enormous machlokas in hashkafa. In Derech HaChayim. So Machlokas about who was correct about the way the Jewish people should approach the world. So Yosef says, Ani Yosef, I love you brothers. You were just Hashem's pawns and puppets. I was meant to get here. I'm not angry at you. But do me a favor. 
you're about to turn around to go back for this journey back home to tell dad the good news. And you know what I suspect is going to happen? You're going to point fingers at each other. It was your fault. It was your fault. I said to do it this way. You should have done it that way. Why didn't it happen this way? But remember, the machlokas is how we got into this trouble to begin with. Remember when you pointed a finger and you felt jealousy and envy? Remember, anger is how it all started. When you walk away, when you turn around and start heading back, don't see the differences, the different derech you reach on. And don't be angry at each other for having a different derech. Embrace the differences. Respect the differences. Learn to be brothers with those differences. What a message in those three words. They already, if you look at the Pasuk, they already left. And he says, wait. Three words, wait. Calls out to them. We each read the Chumash and we have our own little picture in our mind. That's my picture. This is my movie version of it. They've already left. They're already walking away. He's running alongside the train. It depends what era you're, you know, working it in over here. He's running after them on the back of the horse. He, whatever era, he has to grab his private jet to follow them on their jet. Whatever era you're, you know. But they've already turned around. They've left. They're already on the way. And he screams, Wait! Don't judge each other. That's how the Bedivra Yisrael, the Majitzer, understands it. Psh, it's unbelievable. Don't use Yiddishkeit as a weapon. Don't use your derech to blunt others. I just realized I never finished the Rav Sarotskin. I'm ending with this. I just realized. I got so excited to tell you how great a word it was, I never finished it. Rav Sarotskin's insight was that Yosef was saying, Ani Yosef is my father still alive in me? And this is exactly what Moshe Rabbeinu says. When Moshe says, I'm going back to Mitzrayim, Ashuva el Achi, Asher Mitzrayim, I'm going back to my brothers who are in Egypt, Ve'ereh, and I will see Ha'odam Chaim. Are they still alive? What do you mean, are they still alive? Hashem's bringing you in to get them out. He's not sending you in to take out a bunch of corpses. It's not a rescue mission to go recover the bodies. You know they're alive. So what do you mean, I'm going to check whether they're still alive? No, I'm going to check whether I'm still alive in them, whether Hashem's still alive in them. The same vort about Yosef. Okay, what can we do? There was so much more. We're not on next week. We resume two weeks from now. Till next time. First of all, tomorrow morning, no 10 minutes of meaning. Baruch Hashem, there's a bris. But there is living with Amuna. You can't live without Amuna. You gotta live with Amuna. Living with Amuna, 8.45 for women. Tomorrow in the social law. Tomorrow night, you don't wanna miss behind the bima. Richard Bernstein, a blind justice, Supreme Court Justice of Michigan, blind. That's impressive, but that's not the most impressive part. He's run 25 full marathons and competed in an Ironman competition. He's been blind since birth. You gotta hear him tomorrow night by the Bima. Till next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.